0: Welcome, thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. And if this is your first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you and say we certainly hope it won't be your last time. And you could help us by clicking on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know who you are. And if there's anything we can pray for and with you, and if there's a question you might have, we'd be happy to try to answer that. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are grateful you found time too to spend time today in our online experience here at Linden Road Presbyterian Church. It's been an amazing week here for so many of us, right? Teachers are now back in the building and students are getting ready to take their backpacks and lean into a fresh new year and and so we want to continue to pray for our students in that regards.
1: Today Lord, our children step into their world of learning. Wearing their favorite backpack, carrying their new bag of pencils, eager to explore the world and see their friends stepping into many unknowns for sure. I give this year to you, Lord. May I not overlook the small victories or the big wins. In all the busyness, help me to stay focused, but also get rest and to enjoy the day, no matter the challenges. Committing to begin and end every day with prayer to you. I give this year to you, Lord my own fears that I may carry into it, managing expectations that go along with new experiences. May I trust your will for my child, however you see fit, in all the beautiful moments and the excitement of accomplishment, but also in the failures and struggles. I know you are there, waiting to teach, to discipline, to reveal wisdom no matter the age. I give this year to you, Lord, because in your hands, it will be beautiful in all the ways that matter on this earth and in eternity.
0: And then I'm excited because we're thinking about some things for the fall. And one particular thing just want to share had an opportunity, uh, thanks to the generosity of the Richland County Foundation, we were able to receive a grant along with nine other nonprofits here in the community to have a video made. And so earlier this week, we had an opportunity to invite in the good folks from DRM Productions here locally. And they spent a couple hours in the building filming what they call B-Roll, but then had a great conversation with uh, Carolyn Fowler and with uh, Lynn Feldman and myself just about the things that we do here. And it's gonna be part of a larger initiative that maybe you'll remember from last year, the last number of years on Giving Tuesday, which is the uh, after Cyber Monday and after Good Black Friday in November, we uh, participate in a, an amazing local program called Richland Gives. And it's been such an encouragement locally to something like 85 nonprofits. And together on one day, it's the idea of us all coming together And so as part of our participation over the last uh, seven years, uh, we were given the opportunity to have a video made about our mission and our purpose and how we can invite others in the community to be part of it. So you'll have to look forward to that. But yes, it was such a great time. And as we think about the harvest coming in, I know for us at our home, Melinda's been busy canning all sorts of different varieties of tomato sauce and pasta because the tomatoes just keep on coming. And that's so cool. And praying that things are going well for you in your home. But as we gather here online, let's. When you see this statement here, God is blank, what comes to your mind? For many of us, how can we really know what God's like? And I think in our current season, as we continue to lean into just all that life offers us, I think we have a limited view of who God is, and so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this idea of who God is, trying to get a better perspective. I know for many of us, our view of God is grounded in maybe not always the best sort of things, and so together, we're going to fill in this blank. So together, my plan is to help us discover how to fill in this space with truth that can impact our lives. Part of why I'm leaning into this is I think that so many of the problems in life, our pain and our disappointments and our hurt, I would argue that they come from not understanding the true nature of who God is, that God is a good and holy and loving and a merciful and a compassionate God, and that he is here. And so I know that in my journey through each week, I have shared before, I get the opportunity to go into our jail and have conversations with Uh, men who are in the process of trying to better understand their circumstance. And for many of them, it's difficult. And for many of them, it's the addictions that they've leaned into. And, And for many of them, they don't understand who they are as being created in the image of a holy God. What my plan is, as we lean into this series, is I want us to get a deeper understanding of who God is, about his character and how that can impact the way I see each day. And my intention is to help you get to know that God, the God that is good and holy and loving and merciful and compassionate. And I want to talk to those of us who are hurting, who are afraid and who are alone and who are exhausted, it seems though, maybe even worn out. And, and I think today many are losing hope. There's an interesting guy in the Old Testament. Uh, they called him the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. Uh, he wrote the book Lamentations. Let me give you the paraphrase of what he says. This is in my version, my English, uh, when you read through it. He basically says this, that people suck (laughs) and that life isn't fair and that uh, his body is wrecked and he can't sleep and that he's uh, broken and he's overwhelmed with anxiety. And as far as the prophet's concerned, he really thinks at some point that God just doesn't seem to care at all. In fact, look here. In uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And then just the next verse, he says this The faithful love of the Lord never ends, his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness, his mercies begin afresh each morning. So today we're going to talk about the mercy of God. We're going to lean into this phrase that Jeremiah shared with us in verse 21 there at the end. He has hope, and offer hope when you're hurting. Now, it's complicated, Uh, it's complex, and there's layers to it. And so what I want to try to do today is to simplify our understanding of it. And as I lean into it, we're going to start simple, but it may get deep and it may offer some confusion because many of us as we walked in our faith journey, sometimes we get a soupy view of God's attributes. We think about love and mercy and grace and compassion, and those qualities are all true, and they're very unique. And yet, let's unpack a couple of these specifically. When we think about the idea of justice, which is what, when you get what you deserve. And then there's also this idea of grace, is what, when you get what you don't deserve, And then mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And so when you think about it, maybe you've been fortunate enough not to get a ticket when you've driven too fast through the community. Well, that's mercy when you don't get a ticket. We want to take a look at Paul's understanding today. Uh, Paul does a great contrast of of our condition without Christ and what it means to have God's mercy. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, he pulls a contrast between our condition without Christ and our condition with God's mercy. Paul says here in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger just like everyone else. And what Paul wants us to understand is that without Jesus, without our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are dead because of disobedience and sin. And he actually says we're obeying the devil and that we end up following our sinful desires. That then brings us to the subject of being the recipients of God's wrath, right, his anger. So let me ask you this question. How can a loving God be angry? Well, it's complex, right? But love and anger can unquestionably coexist. And let me explain. And I have to admit that the analogy breaks down some because it's hard to compare God to us as human beings. We love someone, right? Uh, Our children. And maybe they lie to us. Or maybe we have a friend who drives drunk. Or maybe you have a husband who doesn't put down the toilet lid. I mean, I don't know. Uh, It makes you mad. You love, and yet you're mad at the same time. And at the same time, when we think about the nature of God, about his character, when God gets angry, it's interesting that he, he loves people, but he's angry by what hurts them. And, and so Paul is saying that without Jesus Christ, we're just in bad shape. And it's interesting, as we continue to read here in chapter 2, in verse 4, two of the best words show up here in the Bible. He says that we're dead to our sins. But the beauty of what Paul wants us to see, and we have to keep reading here in verse four, he says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. Hang on that for a moment. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. That's the hope and the promise of the resurrection. And so when we look at that here, and we think about it, that even though we deserve to be punished, Because God's rich mercy, Paul tells us, he didn't give us what we deserved. Thank God that he's not always fair, right? Because he's rich in mercy. And what's interesting here in this phrase rich in mercy, the Greek word for mercy is ilios, and it's a present tense. What that means is that God lives in a continual state of undeniable mercy. That's why he says, Paul says, he's rich in mercy. Means that it's always been there and it will always be there now when we think about this, and this is where our view of God comes in, then we think about the God of the Old Testament, we say, well, wasn't he the angry God there? And that now somehow in the New Testament, he's a loving pushover God. That's, that's where so many of us find a difficulty because it's the wrong view of God. Sometimes we think it starts in Genesis 3 with the entrance of sin into the story. Uh, Eve eats the apple and, and it all falls apart there and there's judgment and then we get to the end of the New Testament with the book of Revelation where we hear about the judgment of God and of hell. Basically we hear you're just a sinner. We're just all sinners and we're all going to hell. Well, I want us to see here that that's not the beginning. That there was a world that God created uh, before Genesis 3 that we were living into. And there is a promise after the judgment about what God is doing. It begins in Genesis chapter one, and as God completes each day, he says that his work is good. And then it isn't until he gets to the creation of man in which he says it's very good. And then we have the God says don't eat the fruit because you're gonna die. You're gonna die physically and you're gonna die spiritually. And then what happens? Once the fall takes place, Adam and Eve confess that they're naked and ashamed. And what does God do? Does he chew them out? He has a harsh conversation with them, but what did he do? He showed mercy right away. He actually sacrificed an animal, the scriptures tell us, and he offered them clothing. And so we need to see and lean into this idea that it starts with the goodness of God, that he has a plan and a purpose, and it's for good. And he, he created all, and it's good. And then we get chapters 21 and 22 of the book of Revelation, and then where that's where we see the promise that God's going to make all things new. And there's the beauty of even mercy being made new. Now, let's continue to unpack this idea of mercy. And let's look at another guy by the name of David, who's also in the Old Testament. And we know that David sinned against God many times. And we know that his actions could have had severe consequences on countless people by the choices he made. And I'm not talking about the Bathsheba and all that story. I'm talking about an earlier story. Here it says this. In uh, 2 Samuel 24, verse 14, David says, Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. Now, this is where it gets interesting, I think, as we think about God's character. So I want us to understand here the simple idea is that God may have mercy, but so many people won't. And I think that's part of where we're at in the church. I think that's one of the reasons why churches are struggling coming out of COVID and now into this new season, these things were actually taking place long before uh, we leaned into a global pandemic. People who are the ones that should be the most merciful in our local churches are often the ones that are the least. And it's messy. I think one of the biggest reasons why people are not in the church and why our culture is so upside down is because of how Christians over the years have demonstrated narrow-mindedness and being judgmental and even being hypocritical, that we've lived without mercy towards our neighbor. I think one of the biggest roadblocks to people coming to to faith and getting involved in a local church today, to come to know Jesus in a personal way, is because of the experiences they've had with people who are narrow-minded, who are judgmental, and who are hypocritical. People who call themselves Christ followers, but they don't have any mercy. Now, I want us to understand here as we look today at a deeper level here, how much mercy matters to God. So it's interesting here. When God gave David the instructions to build the temple, his dwelling place, he talked about all sorts of elements that needed to be included. There was the portico and the entry and the storeroom and the upper part, laid out the dimensions and the materials, and there was the middle. There was the place of atonement. And then that's where the mercy seat existed. And so it's beautiful here that the scripture tells us that when you build my house, you need to make room for mercy, that that's what God desires for us. In fact, James in chapter 2, verse 13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. You see, we need to make room for mercy. We need to receive it and to give it. Let me say that again. We need to make room for mercy and we need to receive it and we need to give it. That's why the invitation to be part of our fellowship is to come as you are, to bring your your doubts and your fears and your insecurities and your brokenness and your sin, and that there is room for doubt in our faith journey. There is reason for questions that we need to maybe wrestle through. And we know this much that it all points to Jesus, and we can have a deeper relationship with him as we try to come to grips with the things that he's asking of us. And so when we think again at these points that we began with about this idea of justice, when, when you get what you deserve, and then we embrace this idea of grace when you get what you don't deserve, and that's the life that comes to us through Jesus Christ, right? And then finally, this idea of mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. So we say boldly, right, that we thank God for his mercy. I think many of us can still admit that there are moments when our life is still upside down, And we're hurting well again let's go back and look at what our friend jeremiah said he says in lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 through 23 the faithful love of the lord never ends his mercies never cease great is his faithfulness his mercies begin afresh each morning see that that's the thing we need to hang on to so we need to be reminded that whatever we need from god his arms are open wide that it started with mercy in the very beginning, and it ends with mercy. And we need to be reminded, as the prophet says here, that the mercy is new and fresh each morning. That there's these ideas of grace and love and compassion, these ideas of goodness and kindness and mercy. And that he also reminds us, too, that when he's downcast, what does he do? He calls to mind. He says, this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Mercy is new again. And so that's the idea that I want us to see about God's character is that it is full of mercy and it's a mercy that's offered to us that can give us hope as we lean into each day. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of this word to be reminded that your mercies are new each day and they come to us, not because of anything that we've done to deserve them, but because of your love for us as your people Pray today that we sense that in a new and fresh way through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've accomplished for us, and we pray it in your strong name. Amen.